It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to another Out of Spec podcast episode. I'm joined by my good friend and co-host of the Inside EVs podcast, Dominic Yoni. Dominic, we are talking all things Tesla Semi, and I just spoke to you about two hours ago about this for the Inside EV show. How's it going? It's going good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you and I both watched the event last night. I was uh, queued up, so excited, had the TV on, had the whiskey out. I was ready to, you know, soak in all the details about the semi. And surprisingly, while uh, Elon and what was the name of the other guy who presented it? Is it Dan Priestley? He's the uh, senior manager for semi truck engineering. Yeah. And so I would say they didn't say too much, but Tesla actually provided quite a bit of media uh, in terms of photo and video that we can start picking apart and finding things out about the semi. What's even cooler is there have been some trucking companies that are slotted to get these things probably next year or later that have already invited us to come and play around with their trucks. Um, So again, Pepsi got the first two trucks, was it? How many did they get? I believe that they handed them two at the ceremony, but I'm sure they're getting more. Sure. Yeah. But we know at least they're getting a few trucks now delivered by end of year. We don't know how many are going to come between now and the end of the year. Um, We don't know anything about deliveries. We don't know anything about sales numbers. We don't know even how much they paid for them. Do we? We know the original pricing, but has the pricing stayed the same? It'd be hard to believe. Yeah. Like a lot of, a lot of battery, battery prices have gone up. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, not sure. Hard. We really don't know too much. But right. let's talk about all things Tesla Semi. We have about 15 or 20 minutes. We do these daily podcasting shows. And I just want to pull up uh, you know, just a photo of this thing. Because from the outside looking in, of course, we're going to dig deeper into this. Talk about drivetrain, battery charging, uh, the use case. This just looks incredible. Imagine seeing this going down the road. It must just blow people's minds, don't you think? 
Oh yeah, this is this is such a great step forward for truck design. It's just like more aerodynamic, and uh, you know it's, it's eye catching. It just takes something that's like an industrial commercial kind of thing, and you know add some design elements to it to make it just a, be- a beautiful object. You know. Yeah, and we know that of course it looks really good, but it's also quite ergonomic for the driver. So let me cue up this little thing so we can see what it looks like from a driver perspective. But you can see you walk in through the back of the cab. This is super neat. They're all day cabs, by the way, a little bit bigger than right. a day cab. You buckle up, the, the screens turn on. You use literally a two model three screens, one on either side of you. And I have to go through and dissect frame by frame all of this. I can't wait to dig into everything. USB-C power port right there. Same stocks from Model 3. Really nice looking big steering wheel. Yes, definitely. Center right in the center of the truck, which some people have criticized, like a former truck driver uh, wrote an article a couple of years ago. This like the semi was released originally five years ago. So is there's been a bit of time between then and now. But, uh, you know, a few years back, a, a a writer was talking about this may not be the best position for a driver, but man, I've driven, I haven't driven the semi obviously, but I have driven a, like a lot of large, like straight trucks, like 28 foot straight trucks. And man, I, I like the idea of being in the center of this. And I also like that you showed it at the very beginning where that you, you step up into the cab, you can walk behind the seat, you can take off your coat and move. Those are things that are hard to do in, in a regular truck. And in places like with uh, where you're wearing like thick, jackets and coats you get up in the thing in the winter time your cabs lace and warm you got to take that off somehow it's like a pain so this is like really really pampering the driver i think it's really a step forward for ergonomics and i would say most day cab driving is done with a single person very rarely do i see them with two people now there is a jump seat here in the back so there is room for two belted passengers But it does, I think when we start talking about longer haul applications, and we'll get into the range and the feasibility of that in a bit, it it might be annoying, that center seating position. That would be the only thing I could think of. Now, I'm not a truck driver. I play Euro Truck Sim and all these things, right? Because I I think I would be a truck driver in another life. I just love driving, love being on the road. And I think really the only downside for the central position that I could think of would just be having a partner along with the drive. Right, I think I think of the one of the issues I think he had was uh, just visibility of the side, like the side visibility. But I think with the, with the mirrors and the cameras and everything, I think that should be pretty much covered. You know, okay. I, I'd have to drive it to actually see how it is in real life. But I think that was his, one of his main uh, criticisms. You know, just the okay. visibility. So ergonomically, might be a big question mark. But let's talk about the specs that we know at least that are going to be involved with this. Things have changed a little bit from when it came out or when, I guess, when they announced it five years ago, which is a really long time. And uh, originally it was supposed to be powered by four Model 3 motors. Is that correct? That's right. And so now, at least from a drivetrain perspective, we know that the rear, we know that basically they have two rear axles and one front axle. We know both rear axles are powered and probably no power on the front axle is what we're thinking, at least at launch. And it may not ever make sense to have a powered front axle, but I could think of many cool applications where it would be cool to have a six by six or an eight by eight semi um, or a 10 by 10. Just just load them up. Uh, We start talking about dual axle, uh, do uh, dually tires on each axle. But um, 
they're using the plaid drivetrain in the rear, which is the rear motor out of my Model S plaid. And then the front motor might be bespoke. We're not sure what that front motor is, are we? I, I, well, he said they use components from, from existing things. So I think it's also a plaid motor. I think they're all plaid motors, basically. What's interesting is they went so far into the plaid motor on the rear uh, to have a clutch disconnect function. And that's what we're looking at right here. This is the basically rev match right. and connect uh, right there. And that is an engineering change from the plaid drivetrain. Now, maybe... And I've never heard of it, but maybe the existing plaids actually have this and it's just not engaged in a software update. That's option one. I think uh -huh. not likely. Option two is they're specking that new hardware component for the semi only, which I think is probably what they're doing. And what's kind of crazier, there's a couple things that really baffle me about this. The first is the bigger the battery, the higher the load, the more resistance you have the less a couple kilowatt drag from a permanent magnet motor matters. You know what I right. mean? Like if we're going ultimate efficiency, if you're talking like even lucid air with ultimate efficiency doesn't have a clutch disconnect and runs permanent magnet motors. Like that seems to me a bit extreme for a semi application because you're only going to have maybe one or two kilowatts of flux related losses. Now, the other thing that baffles me about this is they're using the carbon wrap from the plaid motor. I mean, it's pretty much that same thing. That's, you know, I'm sure they've gotten the production line down. This is not a high volume unit. It's not like they need to build a million of these and they're charging quite a hefty price tag for them. But if they're already going in and making an engineering change for this clutch disconnect, why wouldn't they just run a, a regular housing for the stator? Uh, man, that's a, that's a question for Tesla engineers. I'm not really sure. Uh, the only thing I could think of would be a huge reduction gear on that right. motor, which would keep. Oh, there's it definitely a huge good reduction gear. I mean, those if there's, I wouldn't be surprised if those. Well, they, they, do, well, they want the motors to be at peak efficiency on the front at least, and right. I'm sure that they're not really that different on the back. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, well, basically, I, from my perspective, it's like, okay, clutch disconnect's a little weird, the carbon wrap's a little weird, but both would indicate really high rotation speeds. Right. This is right. that rear drive axle, the dual motor in the back, um, and we're assuming it's in the back. We don't actually know where each one goes, but I'm just assuming right. this is the rearmost wheel. This is just tire. like a representational that we're seeing on the screen. Right. We don't know if, how that is in reality exactly. And we'll have to get up underneath it and start looking, but... My understanding is whichever is going to be the primary drive axle, which is the highway unit, is probably geared a little bit taller, and that's what's going to run peak efficiency as much as possible. When you go hard throttle off the line, big mountain passes at probably less than 60 miles an hour, you want that rear drive unit to give you all the juice, and that's why you're going to need that, that reduction gear on the back. So right. drivetrain-wise... You have one, uh, two permanent magnet motors. Tesla's gone permanent magnet for everything. What's interesting is my Model 3 Performance has an induction front motor, but a brand new Model 3 has a permanent magnet front motor. Uh, and so they've really just gone all in on um, you know, permanent magnet, which is better for, for definitely off-the-line performance and some efficiency gains, but bad for cruising. The, right. um, the drivetrain, we can pretty much be sure, is going to be stout. I mean... We have not heard of many plaid motor failures. At least I haven't. Uh, you know, mine rocks. You were just in the car. So much power available. 
And so that's that's like, okay, great. I'm kind of concerned. How is it going to handle the thermal loads of high power constantly? That is a good question. Um because there's not a, like a big grill on the front of that semi either, right? There's not a, lot, not a whole lot of air coming in. So, you know, f- liquid cooling and uh, uh, like a lot of a lot of speed, a lot of, uh, how would you Airflow. say, a lot of flow. Yeah, I know, think, uh, um, you know, no question, we can watch it rock up Donner Pass here. It's doing 44 miles an hour and accelerating, which is right. really hard to do. And they've got quite a bit of weight. We're not sure exactly how much is on this truck, but I think they- I think it's maxed out. I think they showed almost everything maxed out here, just to prove a point. And, uh, you know, that's a pass I've driven many times in electric cars and combustion cars. And you just see trucks doing 30 miles an hour in the right. And this thing's rocking 40, 45 and increasing speed. So really serious power here. Uh, I don't think the battery is going to be the limitation. And and uh, from a thermal standpoint, because you have roughly, we've calculated out on the Inside EVs podcast, somewhere between 900 kilowatt hours and a megawatt hour usable, we're thinking yeah. in that yeah, region. That makes sense. Yeah. You do the math. They say efficiency-wise, it gets, what, was it two miles per kilowatt hour? or The other no. way around. Two kilowatt hours. That's right. <laughs> two kilowatt Right. It's uh, half as efficient as a Hummer EV. Which... Right. It's crazy. Actually, it might be even less efficient than that. But yes, uh, right. just an insane amount of uh, energy being used here. But when you compare it to diesel... And compare it to the efficiency of a diesel truck, you're like, wow, this is significantly more uh, more efficient, and especially from a cost per mile. Uh, We'll get into the charging stuff in a little bit. Let's just get back to the battery and range topics here. So um, if we're driving down the road like this, you can see you got a lot of regen here on this left screen. You got basically everything going for you, cruising. We know it has cruise control. We had not seen any demo yet of autopilot. Uh, It does have cameras and sensors in the vehicle, so it's confirmed that there are cameras. Um, But as far as we're aware, there's no driver assistance. So driving this thing is going to be cruise control, maybe manual cruise control, and just physical steering for the driver. So it's not like it's a reduce of workload compared with a typical diesel combustion truck because most of those are automatics these days anyway. Um, right. So you get a little bit better response time or whatever, but on a long trip, do you think this is going to be less fatiguing being electric or does it not make any difference? Oh, I think it's going to make a huge difference on the fatigue because driving a big truck, it just beats you up. Like if, yeah, even on smooth highways, it's just that thing is constant. You're constantly being jostled and moved around and you know, it's, it's a, it's a physical experience. And do so, you think this will be smoother? Oh yeah, I, I certainly expect so. And and also the noise is so noise is also one of those things that causes fatigue. So the noise levels will be down if the, if they can get their wind noise situation under control at least, because Teslas aren't always the quietest when it comes to like wind noise. So that's one thing that maybe uh, drivers or you know people want to pay attention to. So Tesla um, claimed 500 miles in their test. They drove right. it from Fremont, Fremont to, to San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. And what's interesting is I watched that and the dude was under 60 miles an hour the majority of the time. I did see, I think, a peak of 65 miles an hour. So he was going with traffic, but definitely slower than I think even other trucks typically drive. Um, at right. least out here in the Midwest, trucks are doing 75 at times. And so they were doing 55. Um right. 
and it's the, you know, it's a relatively flat route. So, okay. Full load. How often are truckers actually running 82,000 pound GVWR all maxed out? Not that often. A lot of times you're just delivering sure. chips, which are just, you know, air basically. So, and if, and if you're delivering for Pepsi, where are you going? You're going from the Pepsi plant to a distributor. You know, it's probably not, they're probably not going to go over hundred miles anyway. I cannot, I don't know how, I don't know what the stats are on the Pepsi's semi business, but you know, they have, uh, places that, you know, where they make Pepsi and bottle it, they have facilities all over the country. And so like, you know, they don't have one central place like in Washington, DC, where they have to deliver, you know, trucks, Pepsi from Washington to Oregon and San Diego. So 500 yeah, I, miles. I, I, yeah, I, some people they need it, but. I agree. I don't think we're going to be seeing these in long haul applications for years to come. First of all, I think the fleet managers are going to be a little bit cautious implementing these into, you know, they're probably going to put them on the shortest route first, make sure it can do sure. that. <laughs> and then they'll work it up to the next one. And then the right. next one, I don't think anyone's, no one's buying this truck expecting to put it on a route that makes it go over 450 miles on one charge. I can't imagine anyone would do that. Not only do they need infrastructure in place first, they have to make sure that infrastructure won't let them down before they start doing that. Absolutely. Because, yeah, this is that's mission critical. You have to, you can't, you, you can't have a broken charger on a commercial trucking route. That's, that just doesn't work. So I know a few things about the charging for the semi, which is I'm pretty certain that their overnight level two, if you will, their their solution for that are 50 kilowatt chargers. Okay. And so, you know, if, it, if it's a day use only and then it charges overnight, I think Tesla is helping them equip either with 72 kilowatt or some, it's definitely no AC charging here. This thing's only DC charged, right. but it's going to be anywhere from my guess, 25 to a hundred kilowatt will be overnight charging depending on the installation. And hopefully that's all load managed and works well. And I'm sure Tesla has you know, I, I know they have an incredible uh, charging division that's going to work with their clients to install everything as a package. They buy the trucks, they get the chargers, and they help uh, with route design. In terms of out on the road, let's say when we start getting into owner-operator, we start getting into Swift or one of these really big companies that are known for long-haul trucking. Do you see this ever being a possibility for a long-haul route going east to west, north to south? I have to know more. I don't know if we have enough information to be positive. I mean, I, I'm, I'm an electric vehicle optimist, so I would like to say, of course, you know, but you know, but until we actually see, really need the infrastructure in place and and know that it's rock solid, you know, before people are going to invest in long haul routes for, with this, you know, to use this truck. Right. So let's talk about that. There's like thousands of other you know, routes so it can be used, you know, there's no shortage of customers that can find a good use and it, it'll work well for them. But yeah, totally agree. A hundred percent. There's enough use cases where they can build as many of these as possible. And, you know, we're, we're not even, you know, scratching the surface as to where we can use them. But let's say you did happen to buy this for a long haul route or someone okay. buys it and does an RV conversion. We're expecting a new charging standard that's a one megawatt version four supercharger is how they branded it. And it can output a ton more current than version three. I mean, we're talking big boy chargers. It's a thousand volt capable system. Semi right. is actually a, a 
thousand volt. I don't know, nominal. It might be high 900s, I would think. We'll see exactly what it comes out to be because most charging equipment is rated up to a thousand volt, which means they probably don't want it to be over a thousand volt at a hundred percent state of charge. They probably want it to be at like 995 or something. Okay. Uh, would be my guess. Who knows? Maybe they're that just like sense. you use our equipment, and you know that it is what it is. But to build the semi semi to fit with existing infrastructure with uh, megawatt charging standard that Charin's working with, I would think thousand volt full charge, maybe eight hundred volt dead. That spread would be what I'm expecting. But just really a guess. Um, but let's talk about the charging. So they have already announced the mega chargers. We've seen them installed at Pepsi already in you know That's advance right. of their deliveries. And these, we're assuming mega charger, megawatt charging, uh, will do basically 1,000 kilowatts. Yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah. yeah. And, but then what's the, we got to do a charging test. I mean, that's going to be insane. Because right that's now the fastest the EV test. we've ever charged is the Hummer EV which is 365 kilowatts, which is just baby numbers. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's baby numbers compared to what this thing is. And that's already just insane. So a lot of room on the table for faster charging. I think they're also going to be including mega packs as a part of these charging installations because we're talking about such a huge demand on the grid. Right. Yeah, definitely. Especially as as the infrastructure, as a what you call the the network grows. They have a pilot, a project with a pilot, like the stores, the pilot truck stops. I believe they're going to make a use, use those truck stops, that brand flying J's pilots to make a a long haul trucking routes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty interesting. So, I mean, just like, we're just scratching the surface here. Uh, You know, what's surprising and and I kind of want to wrap up on the semi a little bit is a couple things. I really like that. They told us a little bit about their testing that they did with this. Now semis last a lot longer. They get used a lot harder and more frequent than passenger vehicles. It is not uncommon to see a semi with a million, 1.5, 2 million or more miles on it. These things go and go and go. And I still am not convinced Tesla has done all the rigorous testing to show that it can do these millions of miles, but I'm glad they at least touched on it. And we got some cool footage. So just splashing through a puddle. Neat. How cool is that? Uh, But, you know, this is pretty deep water that it's going in. You know, they have they have uh, suspension dynos that they're putting on stress testing of uh, chassis dynos, acceleration testing, crash testing, underbody piercing testing. All super interesting stuff. Now, to me, none of this indicates that they tested it enough to do the abuse that the, these no. things will see over the life of them. But we know from their passenger vehicles just how robust these things are. I mean, Dominic, you just had my Model 3, right? It has 120,000 yes. miles on it. We'll hit next week. And it's pretty much rock solid. Still supercharges fine. Still has all the acceleration in the world couple suspension yes. things here or there, but like that's not uncommon from any other vehicle. Um, just from a drivetrain and battery pack standpoint, they hold up so well. That's true. Um, yeah, the suspension is, was a little bit rattly. I'm, I'm boring my sister's uh, Scion XB, like the 2005, the first gen, and its suspension has got 200,000 miles on it. Its suspension is doing that same thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, they've... They've been working on a million mile battery. They're, that's, they're saying that's the, their goal, a million mile battery. And so this will be a great test to see if they've actually reached that because these trucks will be used for at least a million miles 
you know, that's just the nature of the business. I mean, if the trucks don't have a million mile battery in them right now, that would be a instant, like not a good thing. I mean, you'd have to take it into consideration when you're doing your, 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 your price at your value, you know? Yep. I, I think that, you know, you can start these things off on really long haul journeys and then as they age, move them to shorter haul city use. Um, we see that anyway with large combustion trucks anyway. Um, so, okay, cool. I mean, just to kind of wrap this up, this thing's going to be, you know, insane acceleration, which is kind of cool, even though that's not the biggest metric way cheaper from cost per mile in terms of maintenance. That's the big one. Um, fuel, but, yeah. Yep. Compared to fuel, but we don't know. We don't know the initial upfront cost officially. I think it's right. around 150, 180,000. That's what I'm thinking up in there somewhere, yeah. Which isn't bad because that's not far off what a diesel truck is. With the fuel savings, it's it's so it's a much so much a better deal. It's a no brainer, and especially when you compare this Tesla Semi to its competition, Volvo stuff, Freightliner stuff, smokes it, smokes it everywhere. I mean, right. those things, they're not bad, but they're right. nothing like what this is capable of. This is truly next level tech. Uh, and and proven reliability when it comes to supporting hardware. Um, so I, I'm a fan of all of that. You got 82,000 pounds GVWR. We don't know the exact weight of the semi. That's still the big question because sure. electric or alternative fueled uh, class eight trucks get an extra 2,000 pounds legal on the road. Right. So instead of 80 full, they can go 82. So um, and, and the, the heavier your truck is, the more that's going to impinge on how much load that you can carry. So that's a you know a metric that some carriers will be interested in if they have heavy stuff all the time. They want to be able to put as much on the truck as they possibly can. So if the electric truck can't take as much weight as the regular truck, that's another consideration, you know. Absolutely. And and honestly, we're not totally 100% sure, but I'm sure we're going to dig into filings now that they're homologated, road approved, we'll find things. Uh, trucks don't have to go through EPA fuel economy or range testing. So there's no like official number. Tesla claims 500. I think 400 is the safe number. Right. And I think if you're driving, you're not going to push it to you know, they're not going to do it at a spec style, arrive at the station with 1% or 2%. You know, they're going to want a little bit of cushion. Absolutely. So a 400 mile route sounds plenty long for yeah. at, least to be, at least to begin until we get more used to the how this works in, in real life because they can test as much as they want, but real life throws owls at you sometimes. That's right. Well, you know, <laughs> honestly, I wish, I wish they had a smaller battery version. I wish they had a 150 mile version. I because wouldn't be surprised if they do. I think they, they will come out. They, initially, they were supposed to have two battery packs. Right, right. The one at the event last night, they only talked about the big battery. But right. I think they'll have different battery sizes, different chemistries. Maybe they can do an LFP short-range version that you can full oh, charge man. all the time. I don't know. Maybe, oh, yeah, maybe short-range guy because yeah. LFP is just so much heavier. A megawatt yeah. LFP battery be... But for cigarette, really but for for city trucks, you're not maxing out your load carrying capacity right. typically, right. and you mm -hmm. don't need that much range. So you just want to go cost at that point. Right. Um, 
And so I would say, yeah, let's let's see all that. I mean, it's just the start of a whole new world. Uh, and right. I think it's the real official uh, launch into electric trucking. Of course, we've seen these small scale stuff, like I mentioned, right. Volvo, Freightliner, et cetera. Uh, Nikola, miles, 150 miles range. Yeah. And just like you can tell, like not ground up optimized. They're combustion right. companies that are trying to make something electric. Nikola is right. the exception to that. But again, they don't have any proven track record. I don't think it's the custom good. chassis that they're using either, though. I don't think no, they're using Aveco chassis. Yes. Yeah. And this is ground up Tesla. And it's like, yeah, just like if you had a clean sheet of paper and an unlimited engineering budget and the best hardware on the planet, what would you build? Tesla semi. That's the way they should be doing it. That's the way the other companies should have been doing it as well, because they have, they have the capital to do that kind of investment. And they all learn from that. Just, yeah. Yeah. This thing just rocks. I'm all about it. I can't wait to play around with it, ride in it do all the cool stuff with it. I can't wait to do a charging test on one. And uh, yeah, can't thank you enough uh, for joining us, Dominic. A Tesla oh, Semi, all. your uh, your final thoughts on the uh, on the truck? I mean, I'm pretty excited, but I think this opens a whole new era up. And like you said, we've had some electric trucks before, but nothing like this. This is as close to what we have in the internal combustion world as we've seen so far. And, you know, it all comes down to infrastructure and charging and I guess also real world miles to see how it stands up. And um, I know we have, didn't mention this, but some of this also trickles down to the Cybertruck, uh, which, you know, as, as you're talking about that three wheel situation, that three motor situation with the clutch, I'm wondering if the Cybertruck might get that as well. Really good forward thinking. And I think we'll save it for an entirely another podcast in the near okay. future. But yes, megawatt charging. We have a lot to dig into because the other thing we need to talk about on a next future episode, Tesla didn't say what connector they're using. They just showed the cross section ah. of the cable. That's right. That's right. Maybe it'd be interesting to know if they, they man, this because they could make their own standard and there's already like an MCS standard, right? Right. And they're so, a part of the Charin organization that created MCS. Right. So, so my guess is it will have MCS. MCF kind of looks like the Tesla connector a bit. I mean, it's, at this point, it's close enough. It, it doesn't have to be, you know, it can be built for people who can, who, you know, have full abilities who can plug in, handle a big plug and, you know, it's not like for everyday everyone's use. Right. It's not like my grandma's driving a semi and trying to charge it. Right. So, right. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I say that's a show. I'm pumped. I know our audience is pumped and it's just going to be the next big thing. Literally, it is a big thing. So <laughs> thanks for watching another Out of Spec podcast episode. We'll have another one to you very soon. Keep watching. Keep subscribing. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.